Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Sylvia Hodges-Silverstein, the Executive Director of the Buying Legal Council, the International Trade Organization for Legal Procurement, and John DeFort, a London-based consultant to law and other professional services firms who is the author of Winning Proposals, the Essential Guide for Law Firms and Legal Services Providers, which the Buying Legal Council published in July. Hi, how are you? Hello, Ari. How are you? I'm very well. Hello, John. Well, so it's great to speak to you both, and I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. So, Sylvia, why don't you start? Tell us about your background and the genesis of the Buying Legal Counsel. Thank you very much. So I've been involved in legal procurement for a while because, as you probably know, in many large companies, uh, legal procurement professionals are uh, now the normal thing. They work alongside in-house counsel to buy uh, corporate and uh, corporate legal services and ancillary legal services. Yet legal procurement is, is still a, a relatively new discipline. And uh, only three years ago, in September 2014, we formed the International Legal Procurement Trade Organization, the Buying Legal Council, uh, to support and educate uh, legal procurement professionals and other buyers of legal services. So everything that we do is focused on educational networking around the purchasing of legal services. And uh, the Buying Legal Council um, um, uh, has many uh, members among the Fortune 500 companies, multinationals, and government agencies um, really around the world at this point. Uh, You asked about the background. So how did it all start uh, with, with legal procurement? So legal procurement professionals have been involved in the sourcing of legal services for about seven to ten years. The the 2008 uh, financial crisis really accelerated the process for uh, the adoption of of legal procurement as as we know it today. But I would say the publicity about billing practices, really big ticket spending by large corporations and the uh, profit pressure that many corporations are facing they are at the root of this change. And uh, if we look at other professional services, and maybe John can talk about that in a moment, we've really seen the same development happen there as well, including management consulting, tax, audit services, etc. And uh, it's typically companies with significant legal spending that are the first to involve procurement in the purchasing of legal services, and really well before the crisis. So um, going back to the early to mid-2000s, it was, it's typically the highly regulated industries, particularly the pharmaceutical industry and financial services, as well as energy companies and utilities that are the, the first to embrace, embrace legal procurement. And um, yeah, today many large companies around the world uh, from a wide range of industries, they employ legal procurement professionals plus uh, government agencies. So, um, you know, all in all, there's a really new exciting field and uh, we're very happy to be there and in the middle of it all. 
John, the Buying Legal Counsel recently published your book, Winning Proposals, The Essential Guide for Law Firms and Legal Services Providers. Why did you focus on, on that particular topic, and how did the collaboration with the Buying Legal Counsel arise? Well, to, to just to answer the first part of that question, I suppose for a long time, um, uh, tendering in one form or another proposals has been the principal and sometimes the only method by which service providers, legal service providers and others, um, can secure new instructions. So it really is a very fundamental uh, aspect of business development for all professionals. Um, but the skills required to do it well perhaps don't necessarily sit all that comfortably with traditional legal skills. So I think for a long time there's been a requirement to help fee earners in the legal profession and in others um, to learn the required skills, and that's how I got involved in this field. And it's been, uh, you know, it's been the main part of my work for for probably 30 years. So. I think it's, um, it is a, it, it's an area of fundamental importance to the vast majority of, uh, of professional services people who are involved in the corporate world. Um, the collaboration with, with Buying Legal Counsel came about because I've known Sylvia for many years, and I've been very interested in what she was doing with the buyers, um, because from the point of view of sellers through the Buying Legal Counsel, and it was she, in fact, who suggested there might be scope for um, a book on this topic, uh, specifically aimed at the legal profession. So that's how we came to do it. Sylvia, how is the growing influence of procurement changing the win criteria that John references? So as, as John mentioned, tendering has become the standard method by which clients choose their legal um, advisors. And... Um, it is definitely a different uh, ballgame if, it, if it's the in-house counsel issuing an RFP or invitation to tender, as, as the Brits like to call it, ITT or RFP. Um, and so making the most of these opportunities really uh, continues to, to be a challenge or even more of a challenge now that procurement is, is in the, is in the, um, in the game. What procurement does, it analyzes uh, uh, information, it uses the data and develops evidence-based rationale for major reductions in legal spend. Uh, so what's changed really is that choosing a law firm has to make business sense. Yes, it is still about who's qualified, but it sort of becomes more of a given. Um, so uh, when sourcing legal services, procurement takes a process-driven business-to-business approach that it has been using in other categories or, or areas of, of spend, such as um, tax, audit, management, consulting, and so. And um, what procurement does is it supports in-house counsel with its decision-grade data to, and, and, and tries to develop this purchasing strategy, uh, process, and criteria. And yes, it is still about who can do the work, but who is able to deliver the, the work on time within budget, who staffs in, in, a, in the most appropriate way, et cetera, and so forth. So there are definitely, in addition to the who can do the work, there's also all the business-related data that now flow into the, into the whole equation. John, how should firms measure the ROI of their proposal activities? 
well, I think it's, uh, you know, traditionally firms have, um, firms have kept a record of, of their wins and, and losses. Uh, but I think there is um, uh, there is a, a, an increasingly strong case for trying to be a bit more sophisticated than, than that about it. Uh, we live in the age of, of panels and frameworks, and that means that um, a, a winner or a loser may not be clearly defined. Your objective might be, for example, not to come first, but to um, uh, that indeed might be beyond your capacities as a firm, but your Objective might be, for example, to win a larger share of the available spend. So, so any analysis of return on investment has to start with some closely defined objectives. Uh, and I think also it would be a good discipline for firms to measure, try and measure their costs on a proposal by proposal basis as well. All that will help you, I think, reach a more refined judgment in future about which opportunities are the best ones to pursue so I think a, um, I think I think uh, a more comprehensive uh, cost benefit analysis would be the way to do it Sylvia how have you seen organizations achieve success in going beyond recording wins and losses so well let's take maybe a step back and think about why is it that legal procurement is now in the picture and it's, it's typically the organization's top management, uh, often the, the chief financial officer, financial director, who mandates procurement's involvement with the buying of legal services. And the goal is to help in-house counsel better manage costs than maybe they have done before and reduce supplier spending and ensure that they buy legal services in compliance with company policies while maintaining the, the quality. So it's clear, you know, if you, if you could just slash cost and then you have horrible uh, results, uh, nobody wants that. Other drivers of bring in procurement include the, the desire to achieve a more objective comparison of, of different law firms through, as I mentioned before, the measuring um, and, and benchmarking outside counsel's uh, value that they bring to the table and, and the desire to streamline operations, improve efficiencies, and, and really find better ways to structure fee arrangements and to budget, also uh, to increase predictability and transparency. So there's a lot that really goes into that um, and then uh, when you look at what legal procurement professionals today do, it is, uh, also includes uh, from free negotiations uh, to monitor, monitoring the, the firm's billing behavior and, and their adherence to, to billing guidelines. So there is so much more that, that goes into what procurement does than what legal departments typically uh, traditionally do by themselves. John, what do winning proposals have in common? Well, I think that's a very good question. Um, every proposal event, you could argue, um, is different. Um, decision makers will have different criteria and different preferences. Uh, but I think there, are, there, there, is a, there is something like a, a, a recurring pattern um, to w what tend to be successful proposals. Uh, and I think it comes down to four essential ingredients, really. The first is an understanding of the issues which are important to the prospective client or should be important to the prospective client. So understanding what that organization is and what its challenges are 
uh, and translating that into a legal context. Uh, secondly, putting forward practical solutions that deal with those issues and which are tailored to those specific issues. So it's not just a question of saying what your expertise is. It's saying how you're going to apply your expertise in a particular practical context in the light of that organization's objectives and priorities. Uh, the third element, I think, is, um, and one that many firms find difficult, I think, is to translate the technical solution into, into um, an articulation of the benefits that the organization will gain from having taken that course um, uh, and to, wherever possible, to quantify those benefits so that the decision makers can for, form a judgment about what the practical value of that organization's contribution is going to be and finally, to provide sufficient, um, clear, and objective evidence to show that the firm is able to deliver that, that solution or set of solutions. They're the four things which I think in nearly every a qualitative proposal response, um, to produce a good response, you should be aiming to achieve that. Celia, what can attendees at the North America Legal Procurement Conference on September 6th in New York expect? Our topic will be legal market intelligence, and we have great speakers uh, from both the, the client side as well as the law firm and supplier side, and really looking into legal market intelligence to understand what kind of information can we get and where, and what information is really important. And we'll have case studies that you actually have to prepare before the conference. We'll have TED Talks. We'll have keynotes. So we have lots of good stuff, and I'm really looking forward to it. Where do you see legal procurement headed? Well, legal procurement is definitely a fast-growing area, that's for sure. And when you look at it, uh, legal procurement today sources and, and manages from ancillary legal services, so you know, e-discovery, court reporting, medical records, and all that good stuff, to routine legal services, uh, bread-and-butter legal services, to even high-value, high-stakes legal services. And obviously, it might be different. So in an ancillary legal service, it might be that uh, legal procurement is uh, responsible for from shortlisting to evaluating the, the offers and even selecting the providers, whereas uh, when it comes to high-stakes, uh, high-value legal services, it might be that, that they run the process, but you know they rarely, if ever, make the final decision on which firms to choose, uh, nor do they have the ability to veto the in-house counsel's decision. But we can definitely see that procurement is involved in a broad range of legal services, from litigation, transactional work, to uh, to even advisory work. And, and from commercial law, M&A, real estate, employment law, IP, procurement is involved. So no stone is left unturned, so to speak. And we can definitely say there is no reason to believe that large corporations or government agencies with large legal spend will return to the traditional approach of in-house counsel as a sole buyers of legal services. So I think that we have a very interesting you know, next few years ahead of us with the development of, of legal procurement. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Sylvia Hodges-Silverstein, the Executive Director of the Buying Legal Council, the International Trade Organization for Legal Procurement, and John DeFort, a London-based consultant to law and other professional services firms who is the author of the new book, Winning Proposals, The Essential Guide for Law Firms and Legal Services Providers, which the Buying Legal Council recently published. Thank you both and wishing you the very best of luck. Thank you very much, Ari. Thank you, Ari.
Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.